Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Uh, hope your day's going well. We got a great show planned for you. As always, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's where you want to drop the questions or the topics you want us to cover. And we are channelq.com is where we got the rest of our shows. Check them out. Uh, wanted to open the show talking a lot about some relational stuff. I really was tracking this one topic. And uh, as the universe does at times, it started flooding me with different articles related to this one core concept. I guess the most common piece of it is uh, just relationships. But it was uh, really looking at marital loneliness. That was the initial entry point. You know, I do couples and marital and sex therapy. That's my specialization. Actually, I think it's the most important part of someone's psychological well being. It's the entry point where we learn everything about someone. We look at their relational life, their relational history. It's where all of our trauma is, also shows us where our work is. But the issue of marital loneliness, um, it's such an interesting concept because I guess on the outside, for those that maybe are single or newly dating uh, or haven't been or aren't in a long-term relationship, it's a very foreign concept. A lot of people would be stumped by that. How can you be in a relationship with someone as long as you have, having spent the time with them that you have? possibly living with them and maybe having gone through some major life events, job loss, illness, death, uh, financial concerns, and maybe cohabitating, maybe even raising children. How could that couple have loneliness? So many things to connect them. Structural, wedding, marriage, monogamy, kids, a house. Think about that, right? So many things connecting them, but yet people can still feel so disconnected. How does that happen? There's a lot of reasons why that happens. And then that ties into some of the other topics I want to talk about, like an article, it was a survey that was done looking at how common cheating is, who's doing it the most and why. And then also um, sexual boredom. These are all different parts of that same constellation. So I wanted to kind of open the show by talking about the problem of marital loneliness. I want to normalize it on the front end. Um, it does not have to be a stage of your relationship nor should it be something that we just accept as common or standard. That's not why I'm trying to normalize it. When I say the word normalize, all I'm attempting to do is remove shame or judgment. That it happens, doesn't always feel comfortable, but there are things we can do. There are insights to learn from it. It isn't something we should just ignore. It does require work and attention. It tends to get worse on its own, like most things that we ignore within relationships. If we don't do anything about it, it festers. It can get more entrenched because we become familiar with it. 
And the longer we are distant or disconnected from someone, sometimes that can make it even harder to reconnect because the familiarity, because of the resentment that can breed or in relationships like a marriage, because maybe we start to build separate lives, lives that mean more to us than our co-created life or lives that actually work in opposition to our co-created shared life, such as new friends, new identity, maybe even as that one article was looking at cheating, you know, marital loneliness is one of the reasons why cheating can occur. Someone's looking for, and again, cheating isn't always driven by the pursuit of sexuality or a desire for sex. Sometimes it's just the desire for intimacy, you know, saying I miss having that in my life. So I want people to check in on that. Know that these are some of the precursors or the elements that allow for cheating, but that emotional loneliness within a, within a marriage is a sign that work needs to be done. So that's kind of the starting point. <sighs> How does that happen? Well, my topical answer is always we stop being intimate. And intimacy is often the sharing of deeper parts of ourselves, more honest parts of ourselves. A lot of us have been raised in a world where we're trying to just perform the way we think we're supposed to. We're trying to be a good wife or a good mom or a good husband or a good man. And our world's always training us away from our true selves, always. Anytime we're playing a role or a label, I'm a dad, I'm a doctor, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, we're already limiting our truth. We're already trying to perform that the duties or the list of traits or attributes that are associated with that role. So it's always a, it's always a, it's always a really bad construct to try to be a great mom because then the first question is, what do you think that means to be a great mom and where might you be really ignoring who you really are? Now that's not the best example because no one's really going to shame or problematize trying to be a good mom. But you get my point is that we then try to fulfill a role and meet expectations versus really being ourselves and working with who we naturally are. And that's part of this. But bigger than that is intimacy is again, sharing vulnerable parts of ourselves. This is what it could look like. This is a starting point. This is really hard to share. It might be hard to hear, but in service of our relationship, I need to let you know. Notice my, my soft tone. Notice that I'm sharing something in service of us learning about ourselves. And it's not always a really punchy, triggering topic. It's just bringing someone into your world. What were you thinking during the day? You know, what are your dreams and goals? Just keeping someone present in our lives. But I think we get very familiar with that drift and that separation. But what I see as one of the number one issues in relationships, especially marriages, that create loneliness, that create distance, that create the absence of intimacy, that decrease and steal time together is work. Work is placed first, and I understand why. We have bills, we have college loans, we have house payments, children need new sneakers, we need to eat. I get it, we want a roof over our heads. But we often do that to the detriment of our relationships, and I see it all the time in my office. We'll talk more about it. Stick around, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Call from mom, answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about marital loneliness. And this is born out of, well, it was born out of a story I was reading, but also just born out of the work I do in my practice where marital loneliness is really dark space for people to find themselves in and um, surprising to some that they can have built, you know, that they can have been with someone as long as they have and built the kind of life they've built, but then yet find themselves lonely because remember it's proximity is not enough. And that's, what's confusing. Well, if you live with someone, how can there be loneliness? If you fall asleep in bed next to someone all the time, how can there be loneliness? Because that's proximity and what we need to feel connected with or connected to is presence. It's how we are occupied in that space. What are we doing with that proximity? Are we having shared experiences? Are we being vulnerable and intimate and, 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 and sharing what we're thinking and what we're feeling and what we're hoping for? That's, that's what I always see happen. People stop sharing that. They start shutting the windows and closing the doors of that intimacy and that closeness. And there's a lot of things I tell people to do to start to get familiar and to start to move towards more closeness. We've talked about that on the show. I'll happily run you all through that very quickly. But I want to just acknowledge that proximity isn't enough. And what I want this, for those that are relating to the topic, okay, we're in it. But for those that aren't relating to the topic, I want it to be a little bit of a, a loving warning. Don't allow that drift to happen. And that's why us couples therapists are always talking about things like centering the, the coupledom and not always putting the children first and having date night, things that are a reminder that you're a priority, things that make it a priority, uh, carving out space to stay connected and to be connected. You know, we know that a lot of marital happiness decreases when the first child is born. And for women, it doesn't increase again until the child leaves the house. Look at that stat. And that's because everything becomes about the children and the couple stops really caring for them as a unit. And maybe they're lucky if every week at best they get uh, time alone together. Well, that naturally is going to erode it intimacy and uh, connection and intimacy. Did I just say that? Uh, so marital loneliness is also something that I was saying before the break that's born out of work. Work is something that tends to be someone's priority. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before, but we can't necessarily have everything. No, you can't maybe drive an hour and a half, commute to work, work eight or nine hours, drive that back and somehow think that your partner is going to feel present or cared for, or like they're even part of a relationship. These are verbs. These are not things that just exist symbolically and should run on autopilot. So I want to get into kind of expanding that out and talking at some point about sexual boredom 
and how this can lead to cheating and how these are all part of the same constellation. But right now I just want to examine that although that marital loneliness can be somewhat common, it doesn't have to be a normal expected phase. But if it is, you also don't necessarily have to panic. As long as the <clears throat> the interest and the love is still there, we can capitalize on that. But if it's not, well then it might be time to have an honest conversation in part ways. I can't help build love that doesn't exist anymore. I don't want to force interest that doesn't exist anymore. Relationships don't have to sustain. It is okay for relationships to have an ending if people are no longer in love or interested. That's appropriate, that happens. And then I help people work out. And you need to be honest about that. Don't just plug along needlessly without in, in, in silence because you think it's better to be with while miserable than to be without, because that's not true. And that will have a trickle down effect and negatively impact the children. To be around caregivers that are dead inside or zombies or very unhappy, don't think that you are protecting your child from that. When you are frustrated or anxious or depressed, they're impacted by that because you're not available to them because they need the same presence you and your partner need from each other. That's what children need. I, I say this all the time. They don't need a mom and a dad, a man and a woman, they don't need the parents to be married. They need present caregivers, caregivers that are consistent, reliable, present, and responsive. And if the state of your marriage is not allowing you to be present and available and consistent and reliable with your kids, well, then you need to do some work or maybe that marriage needs to end because that's what your kids need, not the marriage held intact at all costs. That doesn't help them, the mere structure or presence of two people. It's how those two people are showing up while being present physically. And if the bad marriage is getting in the way of you showing up in a loving, present, available way, well, then you're doing them no kindness and they'll end up in my office down the road. This is how attachment issues emerge. A lack of presence, a lack of reliability and responsiveness from their parents because they're distracted or depressed. So work on that. You know, marital loneliness should be a carrying, uh, what do they say, a canary in a coal mine, a sign that like we need to step up our game and fix this. In the next segment, I'll, I'll just run you through a few things to build in or to maintain and never lose as a way to try to keep that closeness. But I'll tell you right off the top, one of the easiest things you can do is by prioritizing each other and keeping the communication open when you feel like that's waxing or waning so that you can really refocus and reprioritize. Please go to your partner and say, honey, I know work is important or whatever else is happening, but it's hap you know that's being prioritized to the detriment of our relationship or our marriage, and we need to address that and work on that. Please don't just plug along in silence. But again, don't panic. This is a sign that things need to be talked about. Uh, but work... Yeah, work has to be managed. Relationships need to be protected from these outside factors and forces, and work is one of them, just like uh, bringing a child into the home is one of those things. What a beautiful thing to be able to do for those that are interested in having children and raising children. But they shouldn't be uh, centered to the detriment of the relationship or the marriage because that isn't good for the children, and that also leaves you in a loveless relationship. We can do all the above, but we can't ever say, I'm sorry that my relationship is falling apart, work is important or whatever else is happening. It's not acceptable anymore. We're demanding better, which is why we're seeing a lot of divorces. People are like, eh, I want to be with someone who's available. I want to be with someone who prioritizes me. I, I support that fully. We have to do that work. So we're going to come back and talk about some things to implement or to keep in place. Talked about them once before in the show a few weeks ago. We'll go back. It's really good to repeat things. Keeps it fresh in our mind and accessible. DMs are always open. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline AG page. Otherwise, y'all, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back.
All right, we're back, and uh, we're talking about marital loneliness. I mean, that's really the entry point. And uh, we've been talking about how it should be a sign that some work needs to be done. It should be a sign that communication needs to happen. It should be a sign that the relationship really hasn't been prioritized. Marital loneliness should also be a sign that we've, a sign that we've been living in silence and not really building intimacy and talking about how we feel in this relationship. I said it again, I'll say it a lot. Every couple months, at least every year, every couple should sit down and say, how has this past year been? How are we doing as a couple? What do we need to do differently? What do we need to do more of? What do we need to do less of? Do we wanna continue this relationship? Every year, sit down and talk about it. I know it can be scary to some, but it's important to understand where we are and what, we, what our needs are. Otherwise, time goes by and one person's like, I'm out, or they start cheating, or they emotionally leave. So many things can happen. And so I'm always advocating for people to check in, to be more, more transparent about what they're thinking, what they're feeling. But we don't necessarily have to let that marital loneliness occur. We don't have to let that drift happen. And if it has, there are some things we can do to come back. So I'm gonna go through just a few things. It's gonna be a little quick and dirty. I've sat with them deeper. We're gonna go through them lighter. Wanna check out past episodes of the show? Go to wearechannelq.com. They're all in there. But these are the things you want to do. Um, if you're already doing them, keep them prioritized. Because um, this is all about building in more ro- you know, more resilience to our relationship. So first thing is, um, every single day, you should be doing something romantic or, or erotic. Every single day. It's called, I call them daily acts. We should be doing daily acts of relationshiping every day. It could just be a kiss. It could be handholding. It could be sex. It could be something romantic. It could be flowers. It could be a note. It could be a text message. It could be a phone call. It could be bringing dinner home. It could be getting them something nice. I don't even care what it is, a compliment, but every day you should be doing something that is connective in a romantic relational way. Something every day that reminds you, I'm in a relationship with someone and this is how I'm honoring that. So it's called daily acts. Something, it, they, they can be free, quick and easy, but every day you wanna be doing something connective. It can't just be, you wake up, they're still in bed, you work all day, you come home, eat dinner in silence and then you put on your shows and you go to sleep. There's nothing relational in that. Two bodies bumping around near each other is not about a relationship. So daily acts of romance or sexuality of some kind. Also, transitions. Transitioning and transitioning out. You always meet and greet. When you, when, you, when you leave the home, you say goodbye with a kiss and some eye contact, goodbye. When you come home, hi, I'm home. Your first thing is you go over to your partner, give them a kiss and look at them and say, how was your day? And the same thing when we go to bed and same thing when we wake up. Start to honor those transitions. They're beautiful moments to connect. They're important psychological moments when we're going from a one-person psychological system to a two-person. We're going from singledom to relationship. Singledom is in solo in the world to the other. Honor those transitions. Also, increasing as much touch as possible. If you're sitting on the couch together, put your legs on them, lean on them, cuddle with them. If you're sitting at a restaurant, put your hand on their leg, hold their hand, put your hand on their shoulder. As much touch as possible. Driving in the car, walking down the street, hold hands or lean up against them. Touch is very bonding. Intentional touch though. Build in more touch. Track, share, and ask about each other's day. Hey honey, how was your day? You listen for important details they tell you about your, their day. Then you follow up and track it. The next day, hey honey, how did that go? Yesterday you were telling me that you had to have a hard conversation with your coworker. How was that? You're always asking and you're always sharing and you're always tracking, you're following up. What is that called? It's called being a part of someone's life. I've asked people rhetorically and directly, do you know what your partner does at work? Do you know who their colleagues are and their names? Do you know who your child's friend's names are? Are you actually present and participating in your partner's life? 
if you don't know where they work, what they do, their colleagues' names, what happens at work, you're not participating fully in their life. Start asking and tracking and following up as a sign that you care and that you're present. Also, accept bids for attention. That's a huge one. When a partner tries to turn to you and involve you in what they're watching on television or something they thought, hey, honey, the minute you hear that, stop whatever you're doing and turn to them. Make your partner a human being more important than whatever you're scrolling and looking at on your phone, whatever work email you're looking at. This is a person, your primary partner connecting with you. That should be number one. Put down your sandwich, turn away from the television, pause it, put your phone down and say, yes, what's up? Always accept bids. People will stop turning to you if they're constantly dismissed or ignored. That is when we are DOA, dead on arrival. That's when we have even bigger issues. And ask yourself, before I get to the rest of these, if you're not even willing to do this, we have a bigger problem. That means this relationship is no longer meaningful and you've probably fallen out of love and it might be time to acknowledge that, talk about that, and separate. Let you each have the opportunity to know what's going on and where you are so you can move on and find what you're looking for. Yeah, that's a scary thing. That's why I love throwing these things out. People that are in love and they want the relationship, they'll fight for it. These things are small, daily acts, honoring the transitions, increasing touch, participating in their life by asking questions. This is like bare minimum. I'm gonna get to the rest of them later in the show, but just sit with this. Those are, those are very doable, and if you're not willing to do them, you have to ask yourself why. So what we're gonna do next is we're gonna come back and slide into those DMs, and then we'll pick this right back up. So uh, again, DMs, always open. If you got a DM for us, Drop in the DMs on our Love on IG page. Any question you got, topic you want us to cover, drop back into, drop it in there. Love to hear from you. And uh, as always, we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. They're all there. Binge, post, share, re-listen. Check them out. But stick around, y'all. We'll be back with those DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, here we go. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. My name is Tina, and I'm dating this girl named Christy. We've been together for about three years. Her family often has a lot of conflict and high drama. Her brother has uh, lots of children and lots of baby mothers. Older brother has been in jail many times. Her mom and dad are still together, but there's a lot of conflict and alcoholism in their family. Now... Now, again, I, I'm not going to make much out of that. Uh, people are unfairly and unjustly imprisoned just because someone's been in jail before or struggling. That doesn't mean they're not a good person. So I'm not going to agree with you that that inherently that you're inherently telling me something bad. I'm going to hold that neutrally. But you put that in there. So I'm going to assume you're implying that that's bad, but I don't know this human being. And also, yeah, a lot of people might have had different sexual experiences or different relational experiences and have decided to have a child. And so they have multiple children, multiple parents. That doesn't inherently mean someone's immature or something's chaotic. But based on what I'm reading, I'm thinking you're implying that. So I want to just hold space for that. Um, you said, now I love her family with or without the drama and they treat me like I'm family. Okay, awesome. So I'd be very thoughtful about how you're framing who they are. Nonetheless, back to the question you say, however, I'm starting to notice that all of our conversations are revolving around them. Well, that's understandable. It seems like there's a lot of motion happening and a lot of things constantly popping up based on the way you present it. Um, when I get home from work, it's about what happened to her brother. When I'm at work, I get texts about her mother or her father. It's the only thing we talk about. I feel so rude telling her this, but now I'm feeling drained. 
is there a nice way to switch the conversation or am I just going to have to be there and get over it? It's a little bit of both because essentially what you're saying is I don't want my primary partner to see me as a primary partner and to use our relationship uh, to process and get support around what's going on in her life and her family. Your partner's need for support isn't going to stop, nor are these you know people's lives going to stop. So your partner's going to have to then go somewhere. So yes, you are potentially you are potentially pushing her away. You're potentially communicating to her that you're not as supportive and available as you thought you were. Now, having said that, I think it's always important for us to pay attention to how we're impacting people. I think it's also important for us to be aware of our patterns and habits. And if they're perpetually only engaging you around certain topics, ones in conflict and struggle, yes, that's depleting and exhausting. And we need to be aware of us having that impact on someone. So to my listeners, don't always go to the same people about the same things. I know how I have some of those people in my life where every time they call, it's because they have a problem. It, it never takes into account what's going on in my day. They never say, do you have anything going on that you need to talk about? And that's exhausting. And it's made me feel as though I don't want to always answer. But I do the mature thing and I let them understand what it's like to be in a relationship with them. And we all need to do that. And I'll say something like, hey, I appreciate that you always reach out to me. I always want to be there for you. I value our friendship, but I want you to know that I'm always here to help you. However, sometimes there's things going on in my day that don't make me able to be present with that. And I'll get better about telling you when that is. But I also need you to ask me more about what's going on in my life so that I know I'm important to you as well. Because you both have a role in this. Yes, if you're not in the right space to hear about it, you have a right to set a boundary and say, hey, listen, I had a hard day. I'm not really in a space to help you process conflict, but we can talk about it later. You, you absolutely have to be able to say that. But I also want your partner to know that they need to be more thoughtful about when they come to you and that they can't come to you at all moments with everything. It's okay for them to sometimes go to someone else or to work through it a little bit before they bring it to you or to at least start the conversation by saying, how are you? What's going on with you? But you need to kind of hold up a mirror and let them see who they are and how they're doing it. Do it kindly, do it softly, but you have to be vulnerable and let them know. So I think that there is something in there. It's just gonna be about how you go about it, the tone you have, the posture you have, the wording that you use. So you don't wanna shame, you don't wanna pathologize, you want them to know that they should and can still come to you, that's part of a relationship, but that you want them to be more thoughtful about not always starting with that and also to make sure to ask you how you are and also to sometimes shelve it and come back to it. This might burn the relationship out. So there's work on both ends, but bigger than that is I want to know that you're in a relationship where you guys can have difficult conversations. And that's how we learn that is by practicing it with something like this. Because if we can't talk about what it's like when we talk, then you really shouldn't be talking, you know? So practice, give them the shot, see how it goes. You're going to learn a lot about the two of you based on that. So good luck. I know it's not easy. It's very vulnerable, but I think it's important. So do it. All right, y'all. We're going to take a little break. DMs come from our Love Line IG page. You got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Love Line page, as I said. And uh, we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. We're going to take a little break, but as always, we'll be back. So uh, stick around and join us. Why don't you? You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Like I said, we'll be back. All right, we're back, and uh, we've been talking about marital loneliness. That was really the springboard. And I was just kind of coaching everyone and saying, listen, that can happen in a lot of relationships, and that's what happens when we prioritize everything but our partner in our relationship. And we very lazily think that, uh, oh, we're adults, should run on autopilot. Well, why do you think we get in relationships in the first place? We want support. We want care. We want partnership. We want someone to witness the world with us. We want love, we want some fun, we want some joy, we want some romance. I want people to feel confident owning that. If you don't have that, go to your partner and say, hey, I've gotten this whole thing wrong. 
I didn't, I don't need a relationship. I want one. And the reason why I want it is because I want fun. I want joy. I want companionship. I want someone to do things with. I want partnership. I want to be validated. I want to feel desirable. I want to have someone reflect back joy. I want to have a sex partner. I want to have romance in my life. And is that something you're interested in? Are you available for that? And if not, I need to go find that with someone else. Why, otherwise, what are you doing? Why are you in the relationship? What need are they, are they meeting for you? You know, the key terms for a happy, secure, healthy relationship, because we're always trying to build a secure relationship and I'm always trying to feed you directly and indirectly all the qualities of what we should be looking for, creating and striving for. And it's consistency, availability, reliability, responsiveness. Someone's your primary partner, you should be a primary person in their life. You should be centered. Part of primary partnership for those that choose that is to be important and to be meaningful and to have that person there. So we were talking about some of the things you can start to build in or if they're there, keep them. So as to start to move towards more prioritization, building more of a secure relationship. So I talked about the fact that we should be doing daily acts, daily acts of care, romance, and eroticism, something that reminds us and keeps us in that. Transitions, waking up, going to bed, leaving the house, coming in, you honor that with some form of touch, eye contact, and care. Increasing touch. If we're near each other, let's extend that touch. If you're on the couch near me, put your legs on me, lean on me. Let's hold hands while we're walking or driving, building it in. Tracking, sharing, and asking. Asking questions and being a participant in their life about what's going on and then following up on those things. Accepting bids for attention when they say, hey, honey, or they call attention to you. Put down your phone. Pause the television. Always turn to them and say, hey, what? They're trying to connect and bring you in. That is why we have partners. Don't shun that, dismiss that, ignore that, or shame that. Also, we have to work really hard on getting rid of what we call intimacy blockers. The phone, the computer, the television, all the things, even the dog sometimes that keep us distant from our partner. Put the phone down at the dinner table. Put the TV off. Turn the TV off and sit and look at your partner and say, tell me about your day. Go on dates. Go do fun things. Also, again, I'm rattling off all the things you should build in and maintain and keep. Fondness and admiration. We get really good about calling out all the things that frustrate or annoy us. Get better at calling out things that you have gratitude for. Praise and compliment your partner. It keeps you living in the positivity. We need what we call positive sentiment override, which means you're spending so much good time with your partner that you always assume the best because they always mean the best because you're always doing things that are good for each other. That's how we start to have better experiences. We don't focus on so much of the negative. We focus on what we, are, we have gratitude for. We praise our partner, compliment them. And again, if you're not willing to do this, that's even bigger and more diagnostic. Why am I unwilling to do these things if I know that these will be good for me and my partner in our relationship? It's a really good question to ask yourself. If all these things sound unreasonable to me, why? And then finally, drum roll, moving back towards sex, having sex as often as possible. It's one of the most vulnerable, intimate things we can do with another person if we choose to make it that. All of us is there. We bring it all forth. And again, if that's not something you're willing to do or prioritize, ask yourself why. Why has your relationship lost meaning and prioritization? Why you're not willing to do these things? Because that marital happiness and loneliness, that's bigger than just feeling lonely sometimes. That has a negative impact on your total self. It can impact your sleeping, can impact your mood, can impact your ability to be a present good caregiver for your children. It can impact your ability to be a good friend and family member. It can impact your heart rate and your blood pressure. 
It impacts the hormones that are released because we want our partner to be a resource, something that actually amplifies the good, puts us in a good mood, makes us feel more confident in the world because someone's in our corner. We want them to occupy that role in our life, not the opposite. We don't have to be in a relationship. We choose to be. So it should have something beneficial. Relationships should be neutral, but most likely positive. If they're negative, talk it out or get out. Have that big adult decision. Are we renewing this marriage or are we releasing it? Are we willing to do the things Dr. Chris is talking about? Or should we look at our fact that we're not willing to and really make meaning out of that and realize it's time to part ways? Because that is a successful relationship, when, leaving when you know it's time to leave. Leaving with love. Consciously and lovingly working your way out like you worked your way in. We shouldn't have to wait till we're burning it down and we hate each other. That doesn't have to be part of the story. So really let that marital loneliness be a canary in a coal mine and say things aren't, good things aren't coming. Good things aren't happening. Let's stop them in their tracks. At any point, you can make these changes in a relationship. We're going to take a little break and come back. We'll keep talking about it. As always, DMs, we'll be closing out the show with them. So if you've got a DM for us, drop it in uh, our Loveline IG page. DMs there. And uh, past episodes, as always, over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down. You can binge, post, share, we listen. We'll be back, though. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. So stick around, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're talking about relational health born out of an article I was looking at on marital loneliness. And I was thinking, wow, we live in a culture where people are lonely enough as it is. We have a high rate of loneliness. People are more disconnected. Now, historically speaking, industrial revolution, urbanization, people started moving away. No one lives close to their family anymore in small towns and collectives. You know, with the advent of technology and transportation, we live further and further away from our loved ones and others. We have no collective sense of care. We don't look out for our neighbors. It's just that random person that lives nearby, right? We only worry about our our neighborhood or our state only or our country only, all these false divisions. So everyone's lonely. Technology is not helping. I, I, I walk through the day, I move through the day, and I see everyone facing their phone while at the gym, while in line at a coffee shop, while at a restaurant, even with others, even while out at a bar. And it's like, no one is making eye contact and connecting. I would love it if places would actually start outlawing cell phone use. Like, hey, you can't bring your cell phone into this restaurant or the gym um, for a thousand reasons. But just for the social mental health reasons, my God, I want everyone, again, I've said this, I probably should start saying it every show, Start taking longer periods of time away from your phone. Get familiar not having it. Put it in a drawer and leave it there for hours. Plug it into the wall and only go use it over in that corner while plugged in. Be present in your life. If you're watching a movie, watch the movie. You shouldn't be on your phone while you're doing other things. One thing at a time. If you're at dinner, be at dinner. If you're in line, just be in line. If you're watching a movie, just watch your movie. Make your cell phone its own separate thing that you step away from everything to go be present with and then you leave your phone and you come back. We need better phone use. But that's not what tonight's show is about. It's just about looking at marital loneliness and how the numbers are very high. And, you know, we were going to talk a little bit about cheating and the stats around cheating. Women are cheating now way more than men. Women have surpassed the male cheating rate. It used to be that men were the higher percentage of cheaters. Now it's women. And there's a lot of reasons why. We talked about that a little bit. It's because, A, they're not afraid to get out of a bad marriage. Uh, B, they form, feel more sexually empowered. They're also working more. A lot of people meet the people they cheat with at work. They're also in bad, depriving relationships and they don't mind harming it. That's why a lot of keeping you know, our relationships intact is creating the kind of relationship that people want to be a part of and that they don't want to do anything harmful to. Is your relationship worth even having or being a part of? That comes up with sex too. A lot of people aren't having sex because the sex that they have isn't even worth wanting. There's nothing arousing or exciting about it. Why would you want to be 
stepping into that? What would, what about it would draw you to it? Well, we have to ask the same thing about what kind of partner we are. It starts with us. What kind of partner are we? Are we the kind of partner that's worth being kept around and worth being cared for? What kind of impact are we having on this person's life now that they've brought us in through marriage or dating or whatever it is? Those are the questions we have to ask ourselves. Start there. We are so quick to analyze our partners, but we don't look at how we're impacting them. How are we making them feel? How are we impacting their quality of life? Are we making them feel better in the world? Feel bad if you make your partner's life harder. Feel bad about that. Feel bad that you give them crap for going out with their friends. Feel bad that you are always jealous and anxious and going through their phone and asking who they're hanging out. Feel bad if you are not a positive influence on them. And do the work of being better. And if your partner's not worth trust, then get the heck out, right? We have to get more honest with that. People's mental health is tanking because of what we're doing to each other and what we've normalized. Um, but before the break, we were talking about a lot of things we have to do to get back to reprioritizing and rebuilding trust. And if it's already in your life, maintain that stuff. But these are the, these are the questions I want you to ask yourself as a partner. Now we're going to do a really difficult assessment of ourselves as a person that's been brought into or would be, and will at some point possibly be brought into someone's life. First question you got to ask is what are your partner's soft spots? What is your partner's wounds? Are you protecting those? Are you aware of how you can be caring towards them or are you weaponizing those? It's really important because I'm worried about the intimacy you have or don't have. If you don't know what your partner's wounds are, their soft spots. It's really an important part of being good for someone. People are responsible for their triggers. We talked about that on yesterday's show, but we want to be aware of what our partner's triggers are to help not set them off or to not necessarily walk them in. We're not responsible, but we're aware. We're paying attention. And like I said, how do you work to protect that? Also, do you know what the quickest way is to calm your partner down? You, you need to. Co-regulation. Co-regulation is more powerful and more important than self-regulation. The presence of another person helping us calm down or soothe ourselves. So that's the question. A good partner, good husband or wife, good boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever it is, knows how to calm the other down. Do you know how to make them smile? Can we do more of that? Or do you only know how to make them upset? Do you know how you make them upset so that you can work on doing less of that? Being aware of moving and leaning out and away from that. What does your relationship need from you? What does your partner need from you? And here's another big one. I love this. How do you defend against being health? How do you defend against being dependent in a healthy way? We do need dependence. Dependence is, is health. Being in a primary, secure, safe relationship with someone is about allowing that dependence. You're my co-regulatory partner. I rely upon you. You're the safe haven that I return to at the end of a long day to get care and support. You're the safe base from which I securely and courageously go out into the world, knowing that you're there, cheering me on, having my back, wanting what's best for me. Those are the attributes. This should all be something that you work on bringing into your marriage and making more familiar and your relationship as well. If you want a healthy adult secure relationship, if you want to be in a conscious relationship, if you want to actually be good for someone. And as always, it's very diagnostic. If everything I'm saying is something you're not willing to do, don't agree with, don't want to have, well, then you want something maybe more casual. That's cool. Own that. Maybe you want to be single or maybe you're out of love and that's important to make known. We're on the same team. If we're not in love with someone anymore, they need to know. They need to be told that so they can make a decision for themselves and decide what they need to do. And same thing with you. 
We're going to take a break and we'll come finish off the show talking more about this and then we'll close out on those DMs. So as always, y'all, you got a DM, drop in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. Questions you got, someone else might have that question too. So you're helping them out while you're helping yourself. Also, um, topics you want covered or something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into, let us know. DMs on our Love Line IG page. Give us a follow back. And as always, more gems always available over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. There they all are. We got them tagged. You know what's going on there and you can binge, post, share, re-listen. Lots of good stuff. A lot of these things need repetition to really build in. But otherwise, we'll be back, y'all. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris the Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We're back. And um, <clears throat> talking about marital loneliness, going to make it even more, even more bleak. Although it doesn't have to be. We've been kind of talking about all the things you want to do. So we're going to look at a quick survey. The question is, how common is cheating and infidelity? Bum, 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 bum. Never good. All right, let's see. Here we go. So, cheating in relationships is common in the United States among all age groups. Bam. Now, the reason why the numbers spike at times is because of internet use. Oh, man, we got access to all kinds of things at all kinds of times and places with anyone. Technology is the great globalizer. We can connect with anyone around the world in the privacy of our own palm, right? You can be doing it anywhere. Also, people work. Work tends to be a big one. Um, but how common is it? So in 2010, it's one of the big pieces of research. Uh, actually, no, I'm looking at one from 2020. We'll go, we'll go even more. Um, a little over, check this out. A little over 46% of respondents said that they have had affairs. 46% of people that are currently in a monogamous relationship. Now, surveys like this are never completely accurate. People aren't necessarily going to be as truthful on this random survey. So it's usually an underreport. So it's going to be, I would say, over 50%. But nonetheless, let's go with it. <clears throat> 46 to 50% of people currently in a monogamous relationship said that they've had affairs. That's a big number. Half? It's more than half. I'll tell you that much. Other research I've looked at, it's way more than half. We're hitting 60 plus. I think that's a sign of people not being in relationships they want to be in. I think it's a sign of people not knowing how to be a good partner. We've talked about it. 24% though, that were affected by infidelity stay together. That's not high. Then only about 24, 25% decide to still stay together. That means 75% of those that have an affair partner, they're out. People bounce right away. I think we should stick around and do a little bit of work. There's a lot we can learn. We can reconnect. We can renew, but not, not, that's not the case for everyone. I get it. It's complex. Um, 47% of those affected by cheating said they established new rules. Yeah, I bet you did. Um, so, uh, let's see, looking at some of these other stats. Oh man, they break it down by, um, race and gender and age. Yikes. All right. So we're going to skip some of that. So what does this mean? Well, it depends on your definition of what an affair is and every relationship should sit down and talk about that. If you're going to be monogamous, y'all better decide on a shared definition of what that is. So y'all know when you're stepping outside of that, a lot of people don't do that or aren't willing to do that. Why people cheat? Online cheating? Yeah, they wanted something their partner's not into. Um, wait, this is interesting. In-person cheating, usually born out of low relational satisfaction, not being in love. You got to make a relationship worth wanting to be a part of. That's what I was kind of, you know, talk about earlier. Also mentioned a little caveat. Sometimes people also cheat for attention or revenge. Yikes, interesting to know as well. 
how likely is someone to get away with it? Well, 25% never communicated it to their partners and the partners never found out. Again, that's a very low number. All right, so those stats weren't as powerful as I thought they're gonna be. I thought it might shed some new light. So it's just kind of confirming what we've already known. And it's a big, it's a big uh, anxiety that a lot of people carry is abandonment, being left, being wounded, being cheated on. And, you know, building a relationship that's worth preserving is helpful. Keeping the romance alive is important. Keeping the communication going so that it's safe and familiar to talk about what, by, what, might, what might be missing, what might be needed to be improved or fixed. It's also part of it. People often feel very alone, as we're talking about in a relationship, and they don't always feel like their partner cares or they can turn to them to process, and that's what makes them maybe start leaning out or pushing out. Relationships are a risk, but we can learn about ourselves. But I just want the takeaway to be, we need to really look at the kind of partner we're being and what we're bringing in and what we're creating and what we're sustaining, because there's small, easy tweaks to really bring each other back together and to reprioritize, but we're not always willing or able to do that. And that's really diagnostic and profound. So sit with that because all the stats in the world aren't gonna really help us. Um, I'm just kind of perusing through this. There's so much information in here. Um, what's interesting though, is the growing number of people cheating in their later years, cheating in the 55 to 65 year old bracket. 18% of those people are cheating. That's as high as the numbers go. But 55 to 64, 18% is cheating. It actually drops down, though, in the ages. In 41 to 54%, it's only 16%. That's not a big enough jump. And then, um, yeah, those 18 to 40, it even gets lower. I don't know what that's about. I'll have to look at that stat, though. That doesn't seem accurate to me. Anyway, all this to say that the numbers are high. The numbers get higher with people working more, walking, working longer, with technology use. Uh, more women going into the labor force. That's what we saw historically decades ago as to why the numbers were rising for women and now women cheat in higher numbers than men. So the gendering has kind of flipped. Be a good partner. Talk about things. Work on things. It's such a, such a cruel, painful thing to be cheated on. There's so many other ways to go about getting whatever that need is met or communicating whatever you need to communicate. We don't have to harm people in the process. No good. All right, y'all, we're going to take a break, though. When we come back, we'll be uh, sliding into those DMs. DMs are on our Love Energy page. Drop your questions. Drop topics you want covered in there. And uh, we are at channelq.com is where you want to go. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. Past episodes, binge, post, share, we listen. It's all there, y'all. Stick around. We'll be back, though. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And 
sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, me and my boyfriend's sex life... It's gotten boring. <laughs> We've tried toys, gels, other things, but maybe we just need more. Kind of suggested the idea of sex therapy, and to my surprise, he was down for it. I know you specialize in it. What exactly is it? I'd like to learn more about what happens in a session. Oh, I like this question. So first off, I want to just point out that I agree. Well, not that I agree. I understand why uh, people think that if sex is boring, we need more. We live in a culture where we always think it's better if we go harder, faster, bigger, shinier, newer. But often in people's sex lives, what they need is to go and do less. So here's my question. Is sex always only about genitals and penetration and getting to orgasm is the goal? I'm going to bet it is. That's pretty boring. That's the problem, that process. That's boring. Step one, step two, step three, we come, we're done. That's boring. You need to slow down, number one. You need to stop being obsessed with genital play, number two. You need to stop making it about just getting to orgasm, number three. That's the problem. Slow down. Focus on engaging other parts of the body. Slowly make it play. Give it time and space. Don't rush. Go with the flow. It should start differently. It should stop differently. It should start in different rooms. Start with different behaviors and with different sexual behaviors. Stay with maybe one behavior for the entirety of that time. But broaden and slow down. That's the work. Our entire body has the capacity to derive and provide pleasure. I'm going to assume you're only engaging with the genital area. What about their legs? What about their arms? What about their thighs? What about their back? What about their neck? What happened if we avoided genitals for a while or we didn't do any penetration for a while? We just focus on other forms of stimulation with our hands, with toys, oral, slowing down, sometimes not even orgasming and stopping and laying and savoring, coming back to the sex play later. So it's two moments in a day, not just one. That's what the work is going to be about. 
That's what sex therapy will teach you. But sex therapy is the therapeutic use of sex and better understanding sex. Why are we doing it the way we're doing it? What are we avoiding? What are we learning about ourselves as a couple and an individual based on the sex we're having or the sex we're not willing to have? What would it mean if we stepped into these new practices? So sex therapy is therapy on sex, but it's also learning to use sex therapeutically. How can we use our sex lives and our sexuality to enhance our body esteem, to move into more sex positivity, to work on healing trauma, to open up communication, boundaries. There's so much in it. That's what sex therapy looks like. Good sex therapy anyway. And so maybe this is the time to step into that. You'll learn more. You'll go deeper. Just watching each other sit in that process of that exploration and that work will be really enhancing. And you're, like I said, you also learn ways to challenge the ways that you're doing it. We tend to do it in very fixed ways based on what we're comfortable with and what's familiar. And we really struggle to step outside of that. And I'll bet that both of you, neither one of you is really bringing your true, total, full sexual self forward if it's always the same steps and processes. That's not honest for anyone. We're all bigger and more than that. And what would it mean to step into looking at that? What are we holding back? Why are we holding it back? What would it mean to be known more? How did we get to the sex life we have? So many rich, beautiful things that come out of sex therapy. It's so explorative. It's so honest. And like I said, it's really powerful to do it someone else and to witness that kind of vulnerability in front of each other. Um, so when in doubt, do it. When in doubt, go, go explore, step in. I think it'd be really good for you. I think it'd be good for all of us. We all have work to do around our sexuality. It's the most powerful place to work on our general psychology and mental health and well-being anyway, especially within a relationship. So I think that that would be really great for both of you. But as I said, practice slowing down. Practice being more in the moment. Practice focusing on the rest of each other's bodies that typically are not brought into sex play. That's how we keep it fresh and honest and expansive. Everyone follows usually the same steps. This is how it starts. This is how it ends. This is what we do. That's the boring part. We don't need it faster, harder, and more. We need to actually slow down and get more basic, more simple, right? We have to move away from that American notion that we always need to be improving. Although we're talking about improvement, it's actually a little bit of a counterintuitive way that we go about doing that. So good luck with that. Let me know how it goes. Circle back and let me know. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Please spend the rest of the night focusing on self-care as much as possible tons of rest and bring in a little bit of joy. We need to bring more joy and pleasure into our day for the sake of nothing more than just that it's fun, <laughs> more fun, but uh, be kind with yourselves and be kind with others. Everyone's still having a rough time. It's still a very difficult time for a lot of people. Um, you know, we want to make our presence in someone's life, make it better, not harder. So there's my tip for that. But um, join us again tomorrow night. We've got a great show planned tomorrow. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 